reading from the 26th chapter of Matthew. While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you all this morning. We've been having the fifth through ninth graders lead worship on Wednesday nights. And this includes serving communion. And it was the ninth grade year, or ninth graders' uh, turn to assist in worship last year. And afterwards, I was their teacher. So I said, what do you notice? And there was this one ninth grader. And what he said is, I had no idea that communion was so much work. (laughs) And it is. There is a lot of work that we have to do every week to make this whole shebang go off without a hitch. And also there's a lot, like a lot that's happening in this meal. So um, because we have this meal so regularly, but because Pastor Beth and I are preaching on different Bible texts normally, what this sermon is going to be is something a little bit different And it is literally just going to be me answering your questions about communion, okay? So pause and think. What are the things that you wonder about? Have you ever thought, why do we do that this way? Or what's going on here? Or you know when I was a kid, someone told me once, and I've always, hmm, think about that. So, um, a couple, couple caveats here. One, ask me, but then ask Pastor Beth too, because each pastor is going to have a slightly different answer on this stuff. Um, and the, two, er, the second caveat is the braver you are in asking today, the richer this sermon is going to be. Okay? Um, also, I love communion, and I am verbal, so I could like be here for hours and hours, so I am going to set a timer. All right. (laughs) 35 minutes. (laughs) So Joy and Ange have microphones, and uh, let's just start here. Are there questions you have about the logistics of this meal? How it happens, where it comes from, where it goes? What are you wondering about? What happens if the bread falls on the floor? Yeah, yeah. I mean, (laughs) oh my goodness, Jesus is so offended, right? You know? Um, Listen, we have a God who chose not to stay in heaven, but to share the messiness of the earth, right? And so Jesus, in coming down, knew that it was going to be messy. And so if the bread falls on the floor, you don't have to feel ashamed about that. We pick it up afterwards. And we we take it out back. There's no harm, no foul. We'll give you another piece of bread. 
Tell us about the change in the age at which mm. members are now welcome to the communion table. Yeah, so Al, I'm, I'm going to make an assumption here. You probably... You had to be confirmed. How many people had to be confirmed before they took communion? Very common practice. Not a bad practice, right? Um, so the church has long tied um, receiving this meal to understanding what it is. The church did not want to give away this, um, this holy treasure, these means of grace, to people who didn't know what, what it meant. Well, what happened is that pastors started reflecting, and they said, well, do we know what this means for us? Can we definitively say what's going on? And they, they began to realize, oh my goodness, this whole thing is a mystery. Even though we have master's degrees and doctorates in, and think about this week after week, we have not exhausted. We haven't hit the bottom of it yet. And so then they started thinking, what does it mean when Jesus says, this is my body given for you? Jesus doesn't say, this is my body given for you if you understand it, or if you are a certain amount of years on this, this planet, right? Jesus says, this is for you. And if you can sense that there is a place for you at this table, if you can reach out your hand, because you can, you can tell that that's what you're supposed to do as a little toddler, reach for the bread, you're welcome at this table. Yeah, totally. So um, we don't put these in the trash, and it's not because they are suddenly magical. It's not because these are untouchable holy elements. They are still bread, wine, grape juice, rice crackers. But we treat them with reverence. We, we um, take the grape juice and wine, and we pour it down a sink, and the sink drains directly to the earth. It doesn't drain to the sewage system. And the idea is that um, you return the elements to the, to the earth. It's a way of reverencing them. And this teaches us to reverence all of creation, right? Um, uh, we learn from this meal. Um, the bread, we have a custodian who uh, returns it to the earth in a very uh, particular way, there is a family of raccoons that will line up, that lines up, <laughs> um, and he will, he will throw the bread to the raccoons. So um, we are communing with them, but that's what would happen uh, no, matter, no matter where we dispose the bread. Great question. Um, the Altar Guild would like to give an amendment. Most sinks in sacristies drain directly to the earth. Ours does not. Oh. So just... Right? All, all our Altar Guild people are going, what? It does? It does? Oh. So we actually have a pitcher. Oh, you're right. And we fill the pitcher, and then we go, and there's a couple plants out there that look strikingly red for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Why this form of communion and not inclusion? Ooh. Yeah, so there's different ways of communing. Um, Intinction is the one where you dip the bread into the wine. Um, 
the, the benefits of that one are that um, the, when you have one cup, there's a symbol of, of unity, right? This is a meal of unity. And if we're sharing one cup, then it, it looks, um, you know, it matches that. The downside is that someone's finger is gonna hit that grape juice or wine, and you're not only sharing in Christ, you're sharing in germs. Actually, this is really interesting. If you've ever had common cup, where you actually drink from the same cup as people, that is um, more sanitary than intinction because uh, you wipe usually after uh, someone drinks and the germs tend to float on the top. You guys, this is kind of gross. <laughs> versus, versus like the finger which gets plunged all the way in there, right? So um, there, there's, uh, um, there's drawbacks to every, every way of taking communion. Um, and it is a risk. So there were um, uh, parishes, Episcopal parishes in New York City who were committed to taking common cup. And then it was the AIDS crisis, and no one knew how this spread, and they all had gay men in their congregation, and they had to decide, are we going to put ourselves at risk by taking this common cup? And they said, yes, we are. This is who we share in joy and in sorrow together. And so they, they stayed there drinking from the same cup and um, ended up they were all, you know, saved. So, yeah. Vicky has one. Growing up, communion was a very rare event. Yeah. And we do it weekly now. Why the change? Um, Are we more sinful? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are we? Because for the forgiveness of sins. No, we're, we're not more sinful, but we are more cognizant of our need to hear this promise. To know that God is with us on, on this journey. To receive um, not just a pronouncement of the forgiveness of our sins, but a physical sign of that as well. Why would we not want that? I was thinking about this this morning. Um, it's like after I make up with my husband after a fight, and he, um, he'll say, you know, I forgive you. I don't believe it until we hug, you know? I mean, I, I believe it, but it's, it's hard for me to get past the doubt in my own mind. The physical act actually changes how, how we show up in, in all of this and our change. So that's why. Follow-up, okay. Is there a danger in it becoming rote? Well, I guess we shouldn't say the Lord's Prayer then, huh? You know, um, we, there, there are, uh, of, of course there are dangers in going on autopilot, but if you take the long view, this deep, formative pattern of gathering, opening your hands, um, sharing in something, you know, it might not be the, the clouds of heaven parting for, for you every week, but if you take the long view, it, it is my belief that um, it really does shape us in exciting and improbable ways. Go ahead, Jim. Question I have is we have a large congregation and two pastors, and we have lay people help the pastors serve communion. 
how do we make the determination of who is able to do that and why do pastors only serve bread and not wine? Ah, uh, great question. Um, I actually don't know. Pastors probably could serve the wine instead of the bread. Um, there's the only thing that a pastor probably should do is say the words of institution. And that's because this isn't something that we're doing like a special private Mount Olivet meal. Um, this is a meal of the whole church. And Pastor Beth and I, when we go to different congregations, we are recognized as pastors. And so when we do that, um, th that's why it's important to have pastors there. But anyone can give out the bread. Anyone can give out the wine. And in fact, I received the bread and the wine from two lay people, whoever it is who happens to be serving. So, um, yeah. Has communion always been uh, integrated into the Sunday morning's worship service in the tradition of the Martin Luther? Uh, yes. Um, when Martin Luther was um, reforming the church and alive, he thought it was very important that this was a, a, a really regular practice for people. And he, one of his chief complaints about uh, the meal as it was in his day was that um, the people could only get the bread. They could never get the wine. That was just for the priests at that point. And so um, for him, it was super important that everyone could receive. Um, so this has been at the, the core of our faith. And I, I mean, it goes all the way back to Jesus too. So Christians have been doing this regularly um, for, I guess, 2,000 years now, no? Why do some churches have a closed table versus an open table? Yeah, um, closed table versus an open table. So when we say open table, that means um, we don't have a, a bouncer on the way up, right? Like you're, you're, you're free to receive. A closed table um, would say, um, there's some churches would say, would say you need to be a member here or you need to be baptized. Um, and I'd say for them, this is a super holy thing. This is a place where Christians, um, at, at least a lot of us, believes God is actually present. And, you know, God is good, but God's also a little bit terrifying because God made the universe and is so incomprehensible. So I'd say that people are taking care um, of, of this meal, of this meal that's been entrusted to them uh, when they put up those boundaries. That's what's helpful to me when I visit other churches where I know I would not be welcome um, at the table is um, to think, you know, they are trying to proclaim God's goodness and they are trying to, um, um, just the gift of holiness is so overwhelming. Um, we believe in an open table and that is because... Um, we trust that this isn't our church doing it. This is God doing it among us. And for us, it would be scarier to put a limit on that than it would be to um, try to say who's in and who's out. All right. Why don't we say the Nicene Creed once more? 
ooh, the Nicene Creed, yeah. So this kind of trickles us over into a different part of, of worship, and there are many, many creeds that Christians use, and usually before um, we share communion, we um, say what it is that we, we believe in. I actually don't know why we don't do that here at Mount Olivet. Um, it's probably a length. It's, it's a long thing. Um, we do it occasionally. Um, yeah, but um, some, some days we say a creed, some don't. Uh, our trust is that our unity is not in what we can manage to believe and commit ourselves to on any given moment, um, but uh, what God is doing through us. So when the bride was taking communion, does the wine become the blood and the, and the bread become the body? Yeah. Um, so question of where is Jesus in this meal? I actually think that Lutherans, this is one reason I stay in this church. I think we really get this right. And we say, um, yes, this is the body and blood of Jesus, but we're not going to tell you how that happens exactly, right? Um, it's simply enough for us to hear the promise of Jesus to say, I will meet you here. I will truly be present in this meal. But I also, you know, it stays bread. If you look under it un under a microscope, you're not going to see little human molecules, right? <laughs> or, or, or atoms or cells. Um, it is bread. And also, Jesus promises to be made known there. I've been thinking about this. When I was a kid, I used to watch the movie Homeward Bound. You guys remember that movie? At the end, spoilers, it's from the 90s, so you should see it already. Um, you wonder if Shadow, this old dog, is going to make it over the hill if he dies on the way. Oh, gosh. Well, that's my sermon. There's the timer. <laughs> um, so I'll finish the story. You wonder if Shadow is going to make it over the hill and, or whether he's died along the way. And eventually, he comes limping over that hill. And as a kid, as a little boy, Oh my gosh, I could feel my eyes just welling up with tears, but I also like felt shame around crying about a dog who's alive and also fake because he's in a movie. So I held back the tears. I would like fight them back. And now I'm just like, why didn't I cry? You know, like what was, the thing was asking for me to cry. Like that was the fullness of the moment. And it's the same with this meal. Don't try to make this a symbol. Just let it be the body of Christ, the blood of Christ, where God meets you, given and shed for you. There's a place for you in this meal. All right, that's as good of a place to end as any. Um, now it's my turn to ask you a question, which is, um, what do you notice about Holy Communion at Mount Olivet? You can then take a marker after church, gather around another table, and uh, write your answers on those aprons. And then we're going to wear those aprons as we serve the wider community. May God bless you in your pondering. Amen.